Welcome to Eat Well, Travel Better, the business of food travel podcast with Eric Wolf and Ashi Vale, where we help you become a better industry professional by gaining inspiration from some of the world's most successful people in the food and beverage tourism industry. With each episode, we meet these leaders and examine their secrets of success. We reveal the obstacles and challenges they have faced, along with their solutions and triumphs, and give you ideas and inspirations for many of the same business issues that you may be facing as well. And now for today's episode. I'm Eric Wolf, and I'll be your host today for episode 20 of Eat Well, Travel Better, the Business of Food Travel podcast. And joining me today is co-host Ashi Vale. Today, we'll be speaking with Wojciech Osinski. Wojciech is a refugee from a multinational food manufacturing corporation where he worked for 20 long years. It's no surprise that after that much time, one acquires a lot of knowledge, information, and experience. The time had come when Wojciech knew this was no longer the place for him. So he went back to his passions, which were food and travel, and started the Taste Poland Food Travel Block, which he has managed for six years. In addition to this noteworthy beacon of where to eat and drink in Poland, Wojciech advises food, beverage, and tourism small to medium enterprises how to weave through the myriad complexities of business operations, from sales to marketing to strategy and service. Today, the cause Wojciech is most passionate about is the globalization of culinary cultures, which is why he continues to do what he does. Welcome, Wojciech. Hello, Eric. Hello, Ashi. Hi, Wojciech. It's great to have you on our podcast. The Wojciech, the Taste Poland food travel blog, that sounds like a lot of fun. I was in Poland a couple of years ago, and I was really highly impressed with the food and drink offering there. And I don't think a lot of people outside Poland know what Poland really has to offer when it comes to to good food and drink. Yeah, that's true. I, I would say that even people in Poland do not, do not know what to expect in Poland. And uh, <laughs> Quite often, quite often we go to Italy, we go to France, we go to Spain. We are impressed by the food there, but uh, really getting to know Poland, it's also a bit of a discovery. So, you know, so I'm traveling around Poland for like six years now. And every year I'm trying to go to the place which I never visited before. And, and I'm really surprised. So the discovery of the Polish cuisine can be interesting not only for the foreigners but also for the polish people what inspired you Wojciech, to travel and to showcase your cuisine and culinary traditions in poland honestly speaking it was it was a change in uh, in life because my my daughter was born and uh, usually you expect the big the big change so you know so we said okay uh, maybe the foreign travels won't be won't be possible any longer so you know so okay, let's travel around Poland. And then, you know, then we really got hooked on that. And uh, we didn't give up the, the international travels because, you know, because once you have a kid, you realize that, you know, that your life has changed, but to a certain extent. But then, you know, then we, we really discovered that uh, also uh, discovering Poland is, is a great fun. So, you know, so, so that was really the inspiration to start discovering Poland. That sounds wonderful. Would you be able to share some of the typical Polish dishes that have culinary traditions that stem from a long time ago? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Poland is known for a for a couple of of things. Uh, probably for the for for the American speaking community or the U.S. based community, uh, it's pierogi and kielbasa, which is the most uh, 
the most known and then typical. But but once you come to Poland, you discover that it's a certain uh, culture which is which is really based on the on the rural tradition. It's not the the high cuisine uh, with the with the very sophisticated dishes. We are we are learning this this culture, but uh, but it's it's really quite simple food, quite hearty. To, in terms of taste, it's really it's really un, unusual. So you know, so like the very popular thing is is, is soup. So you know, so like uh, we have the number of of different soups and. Uh, um, and really, you can come here and try them. And um, actually, my favorite one is, is Zurek, which is the, based on the on the fermented starter. Which uh, uh, either you can do a bread out of this, or you can make uh, you can make Zurek. Uh, it's called Zakfas. So so it's it's very sour in the taste, and usually you serve it with the with the potatoes, some sausage. Uh, you can serve it with the egg. And it's something which I've never experienced in any other in another country. It sounds really tasty. And when I was there, Wojciech, I had a, a clear borscht, which I've not heard of clear borscht before. I, I usually people think of it as being kind of a thick or maybe kind of a creamy, uh, like some cream with the the beets in there. But it, the borscht that was clear it was it was delicious. And I guess the people I was with told me that it comes from, or that was the recipe that was used by the royal families. Was that right? It's you know it's hard for me to uh, to judge if you know if it's coming from the royal family or not, but if we talk about the clear borscht, the the one very specific ingredient is uh, is the fact that you know that you need to have a beetroot which are which are fermented again. So you know so like the fermentation here was really the very common method of on one side of preserving uh, ingredients, but also on uh, getting the uh, getting the the sour taste, so you know, so like we have the sour cabbage, uh, we have the sour cucumbers uh, or fermented cucumbers. So you know, so so really, this uh, the sour taste is something which is which is uh, quite quite common here, and uh, and also the the clear borscht, if you want to do it properly, you should have this, you should you should ferment the the, the beets, and then you know, then uh, it's a kind of the base for uh, for the for the clear borscht. Speaking of fermentation, can you tell us a little bit about the wine industry in Poland? It's something that a lot of people, including me, haven't heard too much about. Yeah, the wine industry is uh, is something which is which has a which has a certain tradition in Poland because uh, because actually the first wineries uh, appeared in Poland around thousand years ago or something something like that, uh, together with with appearance of the of the Christianity here because, you know, because uh, wine is, is the part of the whole ceremony. So, you know, so, so, so there were the, the first wineries started by church or by, 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 uh, by monks. Then, you know, then it, it disappeared for a, for a while, you know, it was coming and going, but, uh, but I think over the last 20 years, we have really boom for the, for, for the wine industry again. So, you know, so like, once you come to Poland, you can you can really try the local wine here. It, it's more safe locally. It's nothing uh, which is you know which is exported on the big scale. But but there are there are really people behind the the wine. So you know you can you can you can come, you can taste, 
usually they are they are trying to pair it with with the local cheese and with the local produce. So you know, so you do not need to go now to Spain or or, or France to have the the wine experience. Does Poland produce both red and white wine? Yeah, red, white, uh, rosé. Wow. They are they are they are even experimenting with the sparkling one. So you know, so so. So really, you have the the passionate people people behind behind that. Uh, the wineries they are they are re- relatively small, but I think I think every year you can see the the difference in the quality of wine. When I was there, they were telling me that they thought with climate change that Poland was going to be the next major wine producer in Europe, as as large as France. Yeah, you know, it it, it all depends on the on the forecast, but it will not happen over over the next uh, five to 10 years. I, th- I, think, I think the forecast is that, you know, that if the, the climate change will continue, it, it can happen around 50 years from, uh, 50 years from now. But uh, the, weather, the weather is helping, you know, like, like last year, last year the, the summer was really, really hot and nice. So, you know, so the, the grapes were, were, were able to, to ripe properly. So, you know, so, so that's, that is something which, which is changing. Plus, the producers they are getting experience from year to year. You need to remember that that during the communist time it was uh, it was not allowed to produce wine uh, by the by the private people. So uh, so right now right now they are building skills from from scratch basically. So getting back to your blog, Wojciech, I know that you started it to showcase Polish cuisine and the culinary traditions, but it sounds like you're equally passionate about marketing. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what your blog showcases in terms of marketing? Okay. So, so as I said, I started my blog as, as a kind of the, of the passion, you know, doing it uh, outside the, the working hours. And, but then, then once we started to travel, I realized that, you know, that there is a, a certain gap between the what I see in the field, and uh, and I, I I really started to give the friendly tips to the to the owners, and then you know then I I got the feedback that you know okay your comments were were valid, so you know so I started to to read uh, write more and more about about the opportunities, and and really right now I'm I think I I'm focusing like in sixty percent on on giving the the ideas, the suggestions, the recommendations, how to do better marketing of the, of the destinations rather than, you know, than just showcasing where to go, where to eat. When you speak about marketing destinations, what sorts of topics do you cover? Okay, so, so we, can, uh, we can take the, uh, the latest one. I've, I've just pu- published the ebook for the, for the owners of the, of the small accommodations you know like the agri- agriculture or uh, or the small hotels how to use the food tourism into differentiating each other because as you know as i was working in marketing of food for 20 years i realized that uh, food goes much beyond just the basic the basic staple you know like like to kill the hunger for me the food is is really the expression of care expression of uh, of love food can be the great um, the great way to transmit the traditions uh, so uh, so 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 i really believe that that if you do the the food marketing or the 
the food tourism marketing on you know on any level it can be really beneficial for uh, for the people so you know so so that's why you know that's why i wanted to inspire them that you know that uh, food tourism marketing is something you know which is really worth to look at, even if you're running a small a small hotel can you share with us an example for how you helped an agriturismo or you know a smaller hotel yes yeah, so you know so in the ebook i'm trying to to explain that that today marketing is is not about the advertising only because because for me marketing goes really beyond you know beyond beyond that you know however you like the word strategy you need to have a certain strategy so so i'm i'm really trying to give the simple tip uh, how to understand who you are because you know because that's number one thing today the keyword in in any kind of the of the of the business is authenticity and also in the in the food tourism it's important to to really nail what you are standing for or you want what what, you, what do you want to stand for and and that's why that's why the, the first question is who you are the second one is uh, who is your customer for me marketing is is really fulfilling the needs of the consumer or tourists in, in in that particular case so, you know so you need to deeply go to your target group and to really try to understand and today it's it's relatively easy to do it because you know because if you are running the the facebook page you can see who who likes you who follows follows you on social media and that can be the first indication and then you know then you go to the to the first step of you know of the analysis who is your competitor because you know because what is critical is 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 to be different because if you are different you have a chance to stand out from the crowd i think today we are really overexposed to messages and we are skipping the messages which are not relevant to us so so if you know who you are if you know to whom you talk and you know who is your competitor then you know then you can really craft your your offering and that that's the step number 4 who you want to be once you have you know this this basic analysis then i'm i'm giving the different inspiration you know what can be the expressions of the of the food tourism in 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 such a small premises for me honestly speaking my advice number 1 is showcase it on your breakfast because it's something which is which like everyone uh, everyone gives at least in Poland for free and that's a very simple expression what do you serve to to people and i think that's really a good way to to showcase to your customer who you are what you serve etc etc Wojciech, you have an interesting business model. So you have part food travel blog and part consulting. Do you find it's difficult to get customers to really pay you for your services? I mean, I think people are always happy for free advice or a lot of times smaller business owners will try and and find things online themselves, but it's really when you get a chance to dig deeper with them and get to the heart of their problems that they can really make some true success. So and I'm sure there's other people who who do consulting and other people who have food travel blogs. So what's what is your USP, your unique selling proposition as a food travel blogger and as a a food tourism consultant in Poland? What I'm really trying to to offer is is this kind kind of the mixture because you know because I'm not a uh full flag 
travel blogger. And that's, you know, that's something which, which helps me in a sense because I'm experiencing certain things on my own skin. I'm not trying to, to somehow sit behind the desk, you know, read a couple of books and then, you know, then, then to go to people and advise. So, you know, so I'm really basing my recommendation on the in-field experience. Plus, I can combine it with the practical knowledge, which I gain during the 20 years of, of working as the marketing director in the, in the big multinational. So I think that's, you know, that's the kind of the, of the combination which I'm trying to sell. Additionally, I, I have to be very honest with you that I'm still figuring out the most proper business model for, uh, for the consulting. Because, because as you said, like everyone is very, very eager to get it uh, for free. But, but you need to make a living. So, you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's the big challenge. And also I'm, I'm trying to combine the need for, uh, for the advisory, for the regional products, for the local products, because, because also that's the part of the, of the food tourism. And comparing to the, let's call it multinational marketing, they are lagging behind. So, you know, so there is a certain opportunity that I'm trying to explore yeah, I think getting people to to pay for services is hard, and and a lot of businesses do. But it's getting that one business owner that understands the value and wants to take their business to the next level. And I think there's also a lot of people who maybe masquerade as experts. Oh, I've I've done all this writing and blogging, so I'm an expert. Well, no, you're not really. You just have traveled a little bit. So. But I think in your case, you know, you clearly have a lot of industry experience. So I think things will go well for you. It might take a little time to get your momentum, but I think you have a good future ahead. Yeah, I, I, I hope so, really, because, uh, because I see the certain opportunities. And it's not about, you know, writing a sexy, a sexy post, which, you know, being an influencer, you can do. But I'm, I'm really trying to get deeper in, into the problems and, you know, and to offer people a strategy even if it's not, not sexy. And because, you know, because like today, everyone wants to sell. But, but in order to sell, you need to, to move like two steps earlier and to understand to whom you want to sell and why they, want, why they should buy it. So, you know, so, so that's really the value added which I'm, tr- which I'm trying to, to add to the equation. You've clearly been in the food industry for a while now, Wojciech. Could you tell us a little bit about a major concern that you see in the industry now? Yeah, you know, if, if we talk about the food travel, I think that the number one challenge is globalization. Because traveling to the certain places, and I'm not talking about Poland, because, because if you sit in a certain place, you do not realize the changes. I don't know if you know this story about the frog, that, you know, that if you boil the frog very slowly in the water, the frog will not realize that you know that it will be dead after a while. Observe the small changes, you do not realize how big the change is. But for example, traveling to the, to the certain places and then, you know, then coming back after a while, you realize that a drastic change which, which has happened there. And for me, in such a case, it was last year visit to Morocco. First, I was in Morocco like 15 years ago. I was not considered myself as the food tourist at this point of time, you know, like at least a conscious one. Of course, you know, of course, I was experiencing Morocco through the taste, through the flavors. And uh, for me, such an amazing place, it was Gemma Elfna in Marrakesh, which is the big market square. Probably you heard about this. 
Mm-hmm. And at this point of time, it was really the place for the local people who were gathering there at night. And it was kind of the open market, a night market. They were serving local food. And it was really an experience. You, you had the smells, you had the flavors, uh, the whole fun. And then, you know, then last year we were in Morocco with my wife. And of course, we, were, we, we came to Marrakesh. And I told her, you know, we need to go to Jamal Fna. You know, it was so amazing. And, you know, it, it was so great. But then we came there and it was just for the tourists. Mm. It was so disappointing. The food stands were there, you know, some tourists were there, but we really had the worst dinner ever there. Even the, the tagine, which is, a, which is a kind of the typical dish for Morocco, it was a fake. That is really my concern that, that if you do not care about the food culture, it will disappear. That's why, you know, I, I really want to talk about preserving the tradition. I want to sh- show the people the value of, of working with the, with the food culture because food culture makes us unique. It makes unique nation from nation, but also the region from the region. And if you preserve it, you have a certain asset which you can sell to the tourists. Wojciech, why do you think that happened with the tagine that was sold when you went to Marrakesh several years later? Was it because they were catering to more of a, a tourist taste and didn't want to keep it as authentic? Maybe it was too spicy originally. Why do you think that food changed? Honestly speaking, I don't know. Because it was, it was uh, not prepared according to the, to the recipe. The portion was small and maybe it was about, all about money to make it affordable and, you know, to, to serve it quick. Because for tagine, it takes some time. That travelers may not have. It's, you know, it's, it's hard for me to understand why, why they are doing it. I assume that it was simply just for money because, like, previously they were, they were catering for the, for the local people and the local people can spot what is, you know, what is good, what is not. For the tourists, if, if you know, if, if they are coming once in their lifetime to the, to the Marrakesh and, you know, and they want to have this Jamal Fna experience, they will not come back. And, but I think that's really the, the wrong thinking because today with the social media, this kind of message spreads and it's not longer, you know, the, this kind of the quick business circle that, you know, that, that you have your tourist once and, and then, you know, then he will not return again. He will not return, but, but he will spread the negative word of mouth. And I think that's really uh, also very important in marketing that, that today with the social media, you really need to take care of the, of the customer even if he or she appears once because he can be your best evangelist afterwards or he can be your best, your worst enemy giving you the, the negative comments not only on the TripAdvisor, but also on, on, on their own social media. Great point. You know, what you've just explained, Wojciech, it's really hard to say why this happens. And I've seen this in other countries as well. And you don't know if the costs have skyrocketed, that the food service establishment needs to keep its costs down, or maybe it's just a matter of greed. And I, anywhere I've traveled, when I see examples of greed, I like to say that greed is a, is a four-letter word in food tourism. It's almost impossible to say, but you're absolutely right, because with the speed of the internet now, the next people coming to Marrakesh are going to search all over social media. Things get indexed by Google and there's no hiding behind the internet. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's also fascinating in marketing today that that really 
the consumer or purist in, in that in that sense is in the center of everything. So you know, without understanding the whole consumer journey, that's impossible for the business owner. So you know, so like like this uh, quick wins, let's call it, they are over, because in every journey there is pre, during, and post experience, and then. Uh, the pre is really the, the, the matter of finding the, the inspiration, but also searching for the recommendations, searching for the, for the reviews. And then, you know, then once you are on site, you can, uh, you can benchmark the real experience versus your expectations. And then afterwards, you are giving your own comment on what you have seen. So, you know, so even if the, the place was great, according to the comments, you had the negative experience, then usually you share the negative experience as part of your, of your comments. So, you know, so that's a kind of the either virtuous circle once you are doing a great job or the vicious circle once you are doing a lousy job during the tourist, uh, tourist visit. Wojciech, let's talk a little bit more about the customer journey because I think that's something that's talked uh, a lot now these days and we've talked about it during a few of our uh, summits, our online summit and our Foodtrucks London event last year. And just knowing you, I know that you know a lot about it. It's really something that I think a lot of business owners overlook and it's one of the most simplest concepts to understand. Could you just explain a little bit about the customer journey and what it means, not just in food service, but say for a tour operator or a hotel? So simply, the, the whole concept of the consumer or customer journey builds on cutting the experience of the customer into the smaller bits. So really trying to understand what kind of the interaction can customer have with our business. So for example, if we are working in the hotel industry, so, so usually the first step starts once we search for the hotel. So, you know, so the first point on the, on the customer journey is, you know, is, is to search. Then it's to book. Then it's to, to arrive. Then it's to enter the room. Then, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, pay, visit the restaurant in the hotel. And then, then also the, the journey do not stop. Once we leave the rooms of the, of the hotel, it continues. Because usually once we are back, we are sharing the experiences with our, with our friends. Uh, we are sharing the reviews online. So that's really three major blocks, like, you know, like the pre, pre-visit, during the visit and after the visit. Here, the whole idea is that once you know the steps, then you think what customer is, is experiencing in, on, on every step, you know, how easy is to find you on the net? How easy is to, to book the place in your hotel? What is the service in the reception, etc., etc., etc. So, in the very advanced model, you can really be an architect of the whole journey. Uh, I would just say for anyone who wants to know more about that, to look at one of our recordings from our events to hear about it more in a food tourism context. Yeah, it's absolutely essential looking at the customer experience. We say a lot of times in food tourism that we're serving a memory and not a meal. And I think that's the big takeaway here is that you want people to go away with positive memories and to talk to their friends and colleagues and family about it and not for them to say bad things behind your back and post pictures of the bad tagine on Instagram because that gets around really fast. And also the memory is something which, you know, it stays with you well, for a long time or forever. Because if you, if you think about the things which you remember from your, from your travels, 
Usually it's either the monuments, which are impressive. Usually the people remember once they see the, I don't know, Taj Mahal for the first time uh, or the Eiffel Tower. But on the other side, they also remember the special dinners. They remember the artisanal producers they met somewhere on the road. Really the simple people they, they got involved with. And, and that's really the memories which I have in my head from my travels all around the world. Speaking of memories, do you have a favorite travel memory that's related to food? Again, uh, I got really very focused food tourist just, you know, just a couple of years ago, but I'm traveling for already for a long time. And then, you know, then once I'm coming back to my past trips, I'm realizing that, you know, that actually I was doing a lot of the food tourism at that point of time, even if, even if I, I was not realizing. You do not need to be food tourist, but you can still do a food tourism. If we talk about one of my fondest uh, food memories, it was, uh, it was in 2005. We were traveling to Cuba with, with a friend of mine. Then simply we wanted to experience a, a real Cuba once the Castro was still alive. And then actually once I, I went back to the, to the old photos, I realized that we were doing a lot of the food tourism at, at this point of time. So like probably one of the most memorable experiences is that we were in uh, Trinidad and we wanted really to go for the lobster because like everyone told us, once you're in Cuba, you need to, you need to go for the lobster. So we, so we went to the, the governmental restaurant because it was, it was organized like that. And we sat behind the table. We said, okay, we want to have a lobster. And they told us, no, we are not serving a lobster here. So where we can have a lobster? And uh, somebody said, just said, yeah, you, you need to ask on the street. Uh, and then, you know, then we went out from the restaurant. We asked on the street where we can have a lobster. So, so actually we were taken to the private house of a family. They served us the lobster, which was, which was kind of the illegal. Uh, they had a beer, which was illegal to sell at, at, at this premises as well. But we really had one of the most memorable food experiences uh, with the illegal lobster, it's illegal beer, and really uh, organized by, you know, by the private family in the middle of the house. So, you know, so that, that's really a, a cool thing. If and the amount can, of effort you took to get that lobster. <laughs> that's a kind of memory you, you create around the food. So, you know, so I, uh, probably this lobster was even not good, but, but what, I, what I remember, I, I remember the whole kind of the emotions which were, which were around doing something illegal in the middle of Cuba. So I, I, think, I, think, I think that's really, that's really cool. And, and during that trip, we, all, we had some other food experiences as well. So it, it was really fun. So Wojciech, do you want to hear a funny story? Yeah. I was also in Cuba and it was also either 2005 or 2006. And I ate at the government restaurant in the hotel and I think I had spaghetti. It was horrible. Later that day, I was trying to find better food and I also found a private, it was, it, I would say it was more like a private restaurant. It was on the, the rooftop of this apartment building and the food was Chinese. So it wasn't even Cuban food, but it was still private. But then you had the, the view over Havana and the sea was right there. And, you know, the whole city's in shambles, but it was still really cool. And, and you felt like you were doing something naughty. But I think the important lesson here is that people crave that authenticity and that connection. And that's why so many of these companies exist today to connect people with meals in people's homes. That's true that 
that actually the number one thing in business uh, of the food tourism and any kind of the business is recommendation. So, okay, we are trying to, to mimic the recommendation with the recommendation services. So, you know, so like once we see the development of Facebook, it really goes into the, the fact that, you know, that it's recommending the restaurants which were visited by your friends, et cetera, et cetera. So the real thing is, is mimicked by the digital world. So, you know, so, so the whole digital is moving into the giving you the recommendations based on the most credible sources which they can find. But I personally like, you know, like the true advice from the local. They can tell you where to go, where to eat. And I remember this, the same story from, from Havana that, you know, that we were just walking through the Malecon, which is the street next to the sea. And, you know, and then we were stopped by the guy. So, you know, I see that you are wandering here, you know, like two blocks from here, there is a great restaurant. I do not want to, that you will give me any kind of money. I just want to give you a nice tip to experience something nice. And we had really the most uh, amazing view, the most amazing meal in the Paladar because, because they, are, they are calling the, the, the private restaurants Paladars. It was, you know, it was, it was really a nice, friendly tip from, you know, from the local guys. So I agree that, that people are craving for the authenticity and that the local people are the best to, to give it. I couldn't agree more. Wojciech, bringing this back to your personal life and your career trajectory, if you could give yourself a single piece of advice to a younger version of you, what would that be? You know, I'm already at that age, you know, that I can advise to the younger me. I think it would be something around afraid less, think less, do more, because that's, uh, that's really an important thing that, you know, that we, that we start to really dig deeper into, into problem understanding. But sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, it's really important to close your eyes and, you know, and to jump. And I think I've done this jump, you know, like a year and a half ago. I still don't know where I'm heading to, but, but I need to say that, you know, that right now it's really the most fascinating one and a half year of my life. I'm doing new things. I'm uh, learning new things. I'm building my credibility in a new field. I'm still not, uh, not sure where, where I'm heading to, but I think I really got enormous you know, positive kick to my life. I think sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, it's important to simply do things. I agree. And speaking of doing things, we didn't say this earlier, but you are also an ambassador of our association in Poland and you're doing a great job there. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Wojciech, I have one last question for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was really interesting for me to read a quote that you had mentioned uh, from someone that that you just love sharing. What is that for our audience? <laughs> it is simply, life is too short to drink the bad wine. Not only because, you know, because it relates to, to some extent to food. So, you know, you can, take it, you can take it very literally. You can say, you know, always pick the best wine you can afford. But on the other side, you know, it's, it's much deeper than, than that because simply we should really take care of ourselves and, you know, of, of our comfort to do the best things which we believe they are, they are for us. It can relate to the job, to the relationship, to everything that, you know, that we should really think about ourselves that, you know, that the life is sometimes too short to go for the, for the shortcuts. And we should really try to experience, to taste, to live the life which we believe we deserve. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. And I think we have all deserved a nice glass of Polish wine right now. Uh, <laughs> I really invite you to, to Poland. You will be able to 
not only to drink the good Polish wine, but also to have an excellent Polish food. Wine and Zurek, here we come. Not only Zurek, but Zurek uh, <laughs> can be can be as well. So you know, so like you can have the fermented fermented cabbage as well. So you know, so it's like the kind of the local kimchi stuff. So we really have a, a lot of interesting foods to to share, and I really hope that in a couple of years. I will also be the person who will help to tell the world how how great Polish food is and uh, that it's not only worth to come to Poland but it's also worth to take the Polish the, the Polish food and the Polish flavors home because I think I think that's also the big value of the food tourism that it's not about only eating at you know at the place but that's also the kind of the flavors and the products which you take home and and you start to use it on the on the regular basis so so this really opens the the whole window of opportunities for the for the polish exporters once they have the recognizable brands to offer their products to the wider audience and we haven't even talked about polish pastries including the wonderful saint martin croissant that is known in poznan exactly we have a couple of interesting produce uh, so so like the it's called Rogal, and, and it's usually uh, served during the San Martin day. But what is interesting about this product that it's actually the, the recipe and the name is, is protected in the EU. So, so it, it has this special designation of the origin. You can have only, only this original product from, all, uh, from Poznani. We have Obwazanek in Krakow, which is, which is kind of the, right now the, they would kill me for that, but it's, it's a kind of the bagel. But it's not a bagel, it's, it's a vajanek. And, and also it, it dates back to, to the, I think, 13th century. And, and you can taste it today in, on every corner of Krakow. So really we have, we have a lot of interesting foods to, to taste. And there's a croissant museum in, in Poznan as well. And I think people should be prepared that the croissants weigh about a quarter of a kilogram. So don't have any food before you go. Yeah, that's that's something typical for Poland. The, the the food portion they are they are quite hearty. So whenever whenever you go to the Polish restaurant, you should expect a lot. Go hungry. <laughs> or, or prepare go hungry. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Wojciech, it's been a, a true pleasure chatting with you, reminiscing about our trips around the world and listening to your thoughts about globalization and the need to protect culinary cultures. Thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge with our listeners on the show today. And we look forward to seeing you again in Poland one day. Yeah, thank you very much. It was, it was great to talk to you as well. You are great hosts and uh, I really invite everyone to visit Poland to taste the real and true taste of Poland. Thank you, Wojciech. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. The Eat Well, Travel Better podcast is brought to you by the World Food Travel Association, the world's leading authority on food and beverage tourism. We empower local communities and businesses with the food and beverage tourism knowledge and tools needed to reach new consumers and gain a competitive edge. Founded in 2003, every year we shepherd a community of almost 100,000 professionals in over 100 countries. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And you can learn more about us, subscribe to our newsletter, and join our family at worldfoodtravel.org. Until next time, eat well and travel better.